Here we go, Rabbi Sai. This is the uh, first shear in the summer series. I do not remember how many years we've been doing this. Um, I do not remember um, the weather being as uh, challenging as it is right now to start the shear. So I'm thanking all of you for coming, part of the uh, Eric Anita Mayor Women's Learning Division of Adasi Shurin. And um, this year's topic is um, something which is a direct result of the Choshen uh, Mishpat Since we had the Choshen Mishpat since we have the Choshen Mishpat we decided a few years ago to learn, which is going to be a big focus that we're going to be talking about, the monetary institution and the monetary component and the monetary protocol that there is in marriage. Now, Bader Klal, um, we hope in our marriages that it's really not relevant. Not relevant. Whatever needs to be decided is worked out amicably between the husband and wife, and there's no need to look in the Shulchan Aruch. Like we hope there's no need to look in the Shulchan Aruch to know exactly what a child has to do for their parent. And like we hope that there's no need um, to look in the Shulchan Aruch uh, what um, two partners have to do when they set up a business. If people get along, there are no issues. Um, the Shulchan Aruch is needed when unfortunately people do not get along. That's when we need Shulchan Aruch. When people do not get along. When people are getting along, usually there are no issues. But unfortunately, when that's not the case, then we need to turn to the Shulchan Aruch to find out what uh, what's going on in a marriage. Okay, so we started with Chesha Mishpat, as I mentioned, 25 years ago. And then, uh, I don't know, maybe three years ago, we decided to switch to Evan Ezer. And then we added Baruch Hashem, we're finishing the, I think we're going to soon be finishing with the first year of having second Seder in which we're learning the halachas of Ebenezer. Okay, now, um, let's begin with a very simple question. Everybody in this room, I'm assuming, has gone to weddings. Some people have made weddings. Some people have gone to their own weddings. Some people have gone to children's weddings. Some people have gone to nieces and nephews' weddings. Some people have gone to friends' weddings. But everybody here in this room has gone to weddings. Now, uh, when you go to a wedding, two, three, four, five hundred people are at the wedding. Uh, maybe it's a big wedding with whatever, 800 people. Maybe you've gone to a chasidish rebbe's chasana with at least 20,000 people. When you walk into a wedding, and then you walk out of a wedding, out of all the people who are at the wedding... Whose life has been changed at the wedding? Now, let me explain what I mean. Uh, when you walk into the wedding, there is a young lady who walks in, and she is a single woman, not married. That's how she walks into a wedding. She walks in as a single woman, unmarried. She walks out of the wedding, married. That's an incredible change. That's an incredible change. Now, what I mean to say is, the man who walks into the wedding on a Torah level, okay, he got married. That's true, he got married. But um, he could marry another woman, talking on the Torah level. A woman can't marry another man. She's married, that's it. 
If another man would live with this woman, they'd both be Chay of Misa. She's changed. She's no longer a Penuya, which is a single woman. She's now a Ish. She's a married woman. Example, a man is a Koyan. Before he gets married, he can eat Shuma. After he gets married, he can eat Shuma. A woman, if she is the daughter of Yisrael, or the daughter of a Levi, she cannot eat Shuma. She gets married, she can't eat Shuma. She changes. She changes. So the halacha is, and we're going to look now in paragraph one and page one, underlined, a woman's only considered married through an act of Kedushin. It has to be Kedushin. Kedushin. And without a mice of Kedushin, which we'll explain in a moment, she's not married. She's not married. Go down to paragraph two, the first underlined. Mishin is Kacha, once she's married, She's now a married woman. Nobody else can live with her. And in order to change her status, she needs a get. She needs a get. These are all fundamental concepts which you all know. I just want to bring up the point and show you inside. And then, the next underlined in paragraph two, There are three ways to marry a woman. Nowadays, we only utilize one of them. And that's kesef. What does kesef mean? Kesef means giving a woman something of monetary value. Okay. Now, nowadays, what does that mean? How do we give a woman something of monetary value? Again, in paragraph two, towards the bottom, underlined again, kesef ketzad, no sein lo in front of two edim, you give her a pruta, or you shove a pruta, something worth a pruta, and you say to the woman, that's the machaber. The Ramah adds, which is what we say, and then the Ramah adds, underlined in the first wide line, the end of the first wide line, and we are Makadesh and Isha nowadays not by giving her money or something of value, we give her a ring. We give her a ring. Mentioned in Shulchan Aruch. And this is something which is very unusual that the Shulchan Aruch quotes a Zayar, but that's the issue. A woman gets married by her husband giving her a ring. Without getting into Mishav detail, the man must own the ring. It can't be his mother's ring. It can't be his grandmother's ring. It has to be his ring. He really has to buy with his own money, etc., etc. That's what, that's the job and the responsibility of the Masada Kedushan to make sure those things work out properly. But that's what it has to be. Then, in the next paragraph, paragraph three, we have the Loshan of the Sefer Achinuch. Sefer Achinuch says, on the third line, underline, they should be able to reside with Shalom. Underline the fourth line, the end of the line, Why are we Makadesh with a ring? You, you understand, you can give a woman a piece of gold. 
even much more valuable than the ring. You could even give a woman a diamond. You could give a woman whatever you want that has monetary value. But we give a ring. Because a ring is always on the finger. And that ring is a reminder. What's a reminder of? That I am married. Nevertheless, we want this to be Tomid. 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 Then turn over the page, please. To page two. We're recording the Rambam in Murray Nevuchim. And the Rambam says in the second column, Rambam says that right in the middle of the column, underlined, it says, or double underlined, that a person, the wedding should not be done behind closed doors. The wedding should be done publicly. Publicly. <coughs> and that means with a minion, to be mefarsim, that this woman is married to this man. That's what we want. As a matter of fact, there are some people who are machmir, that under the chuppah, because of this concept of having a minion um, and needing a minion for the brachas, that they don't want to use a mic. Or they want there to be 10 people under the chuppah who can hear the brachas being recited without a mic. And because, as we all know, for instance, for Moshe's Tshuva, can you listen to a havdola over a microphone? Very often it happens to somebody's mother who's an almana, Rachman al-Hassan, and she's alone. She wants to hear havdola, and her son calls her, or her son-in-law calls her, makes havdola over the phone. That's really not the best way to make havdola. You want to know if it's better for a woman to make havdola herself than to listen to havdola over the phone? It's probably better to make havdola herself than listen to havdola over the phone. So, uh, you know, some people, not everybody, but some people are machmer, that this Indian of 10 people hearing the Kedushan should be to the exclusion of a mic. So let's just put everything together for a moment. That um, it should be done publicly. It should be done with a ring. And this is a 24-7 reminder. 24-7 reminder. There's even a shayla about women who never take their rings off. They have to take their rings off when they wash, etc., because they, they, they never take their ring off. They never take their ring off. Okay, Shiloh for a different time. Okay, that's number um, part one, if you want to call it that. Then we have an addition. There are copies on the beam right there. Right there. Okay, then we have an addition. And that addition is on page three right now. This is a very famous Gemara. And every time I come back to the Gemara, Every time. Very often I come back to this tomorrow with a different insight, which is very, very uh, relevant to us. What do I mean? Um, this is a Gemara in Saita, a very famous Gemara, underlined. Omar of Yehuda Marav, paragraph 5, top of page 3. Omar of Yehuda Marav, Arbom Yoim Kodim Yitzhira Savalad, Bas Kol Yitzos Emeris, a heavenly voice comes out and declares. Bas Plaini, Laplaini. The daughter of this man, the daughter of this man to that man. Bias plainly plainly, Sada plainly Okay, now number one, we all know this already. Every letter in the Gemara is exact. Forget about every word. Why does it say bas plainly plainly? Why don't we say bas plainly im plainly? Not the daughter of this man 
to that woman, but the daughter of this man with that man, not to that man. Okay, bas ploini, imploini. And then, of course, what does the Lashon Mikudeshes mean? What does that mean, Mikudeshes Li? And we're going to try to, uh, in the next uh, maybe hour or so, we're going to try to see if we can put this all together. Okay, here we go. First things first. There's a Pasuk in the Torah. This is found in Pashas Mishpatim. This Pasuk is not in the middle of of the Parsha of Kedushin. We're not going to get into where it's located, but Lemaisa, it says in the Torah like this. Man takes a woman, He is obligated. A man's obligated. Man's obligated what? To feed her, to clothe her. And I'm going to use the word throughout the year. The word ona means to have relations with her. I'll probably switch back and forth and use the word ona several times. Ayin, vov, nun, hey. That's the, the mitzvah of Ona. Ona. Okay. Uh, Rashi says in paragraph 7, on the left column, She'ira is mezonos, Kisusa is kemashmo, which means clothing. Onosa is relations. And those pashtus, according to Rashi, it, it seems that way for sure, these are all obligations minator. A man is obligated to clothe his wife and to feed his wife. That's what a man is obligated to do. Okay, let's continue now. So, um, then we have a Sefer Achinuch. We're on page 3, paragraph 8 and 9. Now, this, this is listed in the Sefer Achinuch, who lists all 613 mitzvahs. That means we're talking about a Torah obligation. Torah obligation. All, all women who get married. Paragraph 9. There's a mitzvah on men. On men. He does not give his wife one of these three things. Because he wants to pain her. Koev is a pain. Over a love. A man transgressed the love. It's like transgressing a mitzvah of the king. Of the king. There's a very serious issue here, obviously. Turn over the page, please, now. We're going to look at how this is codified in halacha. Page four. Page four. Okay, paragraph 10. The Rambam. Underline the middle of paragraph 10. This is the Rambam and Sefer Mitzvahs. Anybody marries a Jewish woman, painting a woman by telling her, no, I'm not going to give you clothing, I'm not going to give you food, or I'm not going to have relations with you, and you're doing it to give her tzarach, not because the person's not feeling well. We're going to talk about whether a person cannot afford it. We'll talk about that later in the shir. The, the person is over in this of the rice. In this of the rice of and this is the Raisa. This is the Raisa. Very scary. Tour. Paragraph 11. Last line in paragraph 11. 
Three of the ten things that a man's obligated to do for his wife once they get married, which we will talk about again in a moment. Three of them are minatora. Three of them minatora. Paragraph 12, what are these things? Paragraph 12, underline, she'era, clother, excuse me, she'era is mozonosela, and ksusa is clothing, kimashmo, and then we have ainosa, which means, as we just said, Relations, the physical relations of marriage. Vashiva, and then there are seven midibre seifrim. One is the ksuba, and one is tzenai ksuba, and one is you are obligated to take care of her health. You're obligated to achas sholem if she's captured to redeem her. You're obligated to bury her. Lios nizones minachos of Yeshevis Beso Achamoso. If chas sholem he predeceases her, then until she gets remarried, she can stay in his home. Again, Rabbi Say, as we started off this year, well, well, I mean, what's the Shaila? What's the Shaila? I'll tell you the Shaila in a simple way a second marriage. Man predeceases his wife. She has no children. Where does she live after her husband dies? Her husband's children say, not in dad's condo in Florida. We want that. You kindly leave. That's not the halacha. The halacha she has to be taken care of. Okay, so these are all issues that, again, we hope they don't come up. We hope they're not nogeya when they show them they're usually not nogeya, when people are interacting in a way that's friendly. And um, then there really is, uh, you know, again, it's, 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 it's amicable. These shalos are not nogeya, but they have to be codified in halacha. I'm going to stop for a moment. This is an example I give often. I'm going to go back to, we mentioned it earlier, I want to mention it again right now. And that is that um, a father is 87 years old. He's living alone. His wife died. He's living alone in Skokie. He calls his son. It's the middle of the winter. And he says, you know, the light just went out in the kitchen. I can't change the light anymore. You have to stand on a ladder to change the light in the kitchen. I can't do it. Could you please come and change the light? Dad, Abba, Tati, whatever. I'll be right there. And the son leaves his prestigious law office and he drives to Skokie, gets into the house. Father opens the door, gives his father a kiss. I love you. And he uh, stands on a chair, takes a, at a light bulb from a bag that he just poured on the way up changes the bulb, gives his father a kiss, the father thanks him very much, and the son goes back to work. And on the way out, he puts an envelope on the kitchen table. And the father opens the envelope after the son leaves, says, Dear Abba, it was a pleasure coming to change the light bulb for you. My normal wages are $1,200 an hour. It took me an hour and 15 minutes to leave my office and come back, so that's $1,500. Um, my guest the drive back and forth was $42. The light bulb was $12. So you can pay me out whenever you like, but you owe me $1,587. Who's right? The The son is right. Because who has to pay for Kibir Avei? Kibir is Michel Av. The father has to pay. But the son, what are you, out of your mind? You're charging your father to change the light bulb? What are you, a, a C-R-E-E-P? What, what, what kind of business is that? Right? So when you're not for it, it tell me that the, that the father has to pay. Who would charge his father to change the light bulb? Hello? 
Abba, so nice to hear from you. How are you feeling? I'm not really feeling so well. You know, since Ima died, I'm alone. You live in Eretz Yisrael. You're my only child. You have seven children. Very hard for me to be alone. I'd like you to move to California. It's not the same as changing a light bulb, right? Abba, I'd love to move to California. But you know, I, I can't afford, afford to move to California. My apartment that I have in Ernst Sherl is worth a half a million dollars. Buying a house in California is $2 million. You know, the, 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 my, my, uh, I, I can live on a, whatever it is, on $100,000 a year in Ernst Sherl. In California, I'm going to need $400,000 a year, or $500,000 a year for tuitions and taking care of my children. So I, I can't do it. Father says, I'll pay. That's called Mishalav. The father says to the son, I'm sorry, I want you to come anyways. So you won't have a job. After davening and shul, you go around and collect dollars. Is the son obligated to do that for his father? That's why you need halacha. Right? We don't want to have any shilohs like this. But what do you do when there is a shiloh? The father has money and the father doesn't want to spend his money. He wants his son to come and live like a poor. Is his son obligated to go to California to live with his father take care of him? Probably, yes. Depending on the circumstances. Who's, who's obligated to pay? That's the Shiloh. The lawyer Shiloh downtown is just to get everybody aggravated. That's why I make up that Shiloh. I got you all, I got you all aggravated. You all, you all want to kill the son in that situation. But in the father's situation, now is not the same. I want you to move to California from Yerushalayim. Or from Ramat Bechemish, or from where, or Beta, wherever you're living. It's not the same Shiloh. That's a serious Shiloh. Okay. Now, so, Minat Torah, you're obligated to, uh, a husband's obligated to take care of his wife. Paragraph 13. This is the Shulchan Aruch right now talking. Adam Isha He's obligated. Even if you didn't write them down. And paragraph 14 down below. These are the 10 things. Everything that we just read from the, from the tour. These are the obligations that a man has to his wife. And the first three things that a man is obligated to do, if you look now on the um, right side in, in paragraph 15, it says underlined down in the middle of the paragraph, you are obligated. You're obligated Now it happens to be that there is an opinion who says, if you look now on the left side, on the left side, it says on the top line on the left side, underline Harambam. Ramban holds feeding your wife is only an obligation to meet the Rabbanon. Not obligated in that Torah. You're not obligated in that Torah. It's unbelievable. You're not obligated in that Torah. Please turn over and look at paragraph 16 on the top of page 5. Paragraph 16 on the left side. I am Baramban, Allah Taira, Parshas Mishpatim, the Mefarish Sha'ira, Hainu Sher Bosso, the Hainu Kiru Bosso, Uksusa, Hainu Hatsosa, Mito Lainoso, 
The Rabban holds, feeding your wife, clothing your wife is not an obligation in the Torah. It's not an obligation in the Torah. The only thing is physical relations are the only thing that's an obligatory in the Torah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay. So this is a machlekes rishonim. We're stopping for a second. Okay. Marriage. Marriage has many levels of obligation. And as I said before, we hope we don't have to discuss them. We hope in a marriage that's amicable, in a marriage that has maturity, there's no problem. There's no problem. But in the last two or three years since we started learning Ebenezer, we've had a lot of shilas, including one just recently. Rabbi, my child is getting married. And my child has a lot of money. Why does my child have a lot of money? I've already had three or four people like this in the last few years because my father died and he was worth well into the uh, eight figures. That's tens of millions of dollars. And he left every grandchild three to four million dollars. So my 20-year-old child has three to four million dollars. Rabbi, I want to make sure that if there's a divorce, that money will not end up in my son-in-law's hands. How do I secure that that will happen? I'm not talking about the prenup that if they get divorced, that my son-in-law will make sure to give my daughter a divorce. I'm not talking about that. That was a different child. I want to know what's going to be with the money. Sometimes I tell the person, you trust this boy to marry your daughter and to move in with her, but you don't trust this boy about the money that your daughter has? And the question is, can I hide the money from my son-in-law? That's the question. Or can I hide the money from my daughter-in-law? That was the question I just got again recently. How can I hide the money? Because people are scared. Divorce rate is not uncommon. A lot of money on the table. Again, you know, most of us, or many of us got married, you know, you had a few thousand dollars in the bank, and he had a few thousand dollars in the bank, and uh, so... There's nothing to make a ganze taram about, you know. But nowadays, that's not necessarily the case. Not necessarily the case. And a life can get confusing. I want to buy my son, my daughter and my son-in-law a house. A lot of people want to buy their children houses. They can afford to buy their children houses. Who do we put the house under? Whose name? We need a shulchan aruch. Again, everything's fine. Buy a house, house is under your name and your wife's name. Your name and your husband's name. So, no, you know, I'm not sure I want to do that. Again, you sure that she get married? Or you're not sure that she get married? Okay. Shulchan Aruch. What does Shulchan Aruch say? Okay. Now, let's continue. So what happened at the wedding? The woman became a married, and Ashes is, she became married. He's no longer a penuya. What happened to the man? What happened to the man? And I'm going to say one more thing right now. I only wish that what I'm about to say over the next several minutes, somebody would have told me before I got married. I wish somebody would have told me this before I got married. Nobody ever told me this. And I'll tell you what I mean. 
Okay. The Pesach says, um, anybody tell me, what is, what is a, we know a man is called an Adam, right? What's he called in relationship to his, uh, to his wife? Yish. Chosen. Chosen. Or Baal. Whoever said the word Baal. What does the word Baal mean? Who said it? Okay, what does the word Baal mean? Since you said it first, what does the word Baal mean? Sort of like a master. Sort of like a master. Doesn't sound too good, right? Politically, it sounds very incorrect, right? Okay, let's examine the word Baal. Here's an example of the word Baal. I'm going to give you two examples of the word Baal in the Torah. The Pesach says in Mishpatim, Baal habor yishalim. Anybody explain what those words mean? Baal habor yishalim. The person who what? person who owns the uh, board is a... Uh, a pit. Somebody just said pit, right? Right. Okay. Somebody digs a pit on Tui. On Tui. And somebody falls in and breaks their, breaks their leg. Huh? Is this possible? Yes, it is possible. So, uh, uh, the person who dug the board has to pay. Why? He's the Baal Habor. Why, he owns the bar on Tui that he dug on Tui? Does he own it? I asked you a question, but does he own it? What's the answer? Does he own the bar on Tui if he digs a bar on Tui? Does he own the street on Tui? No. He doesn't own the street, right? So what does it mean, Baal Habor? So Rashi says in paragraph 18, Baal HaTakola. The one who owns the Takola. What's Takola mean? The mikshol, the trap, the problem. You don't own the boar. You dug the boar and shesarabim. You don't own the boar. Shesarabim. The Kosser says you're the Baal. You're the Baal. You're the Baal. You're the Baal. Let's give another example. Next, paragraph 19. You don't find the Ganav. And the person who was watching your object from whom it was stolen is obligated to pay. Now, the person who is watching your object, what is he called? A shomer. What's a shomer mean? A watchman. A person's watching. You give somebody, uh, do me a favor, I'm I'm going away. I don't feel so comfortable. I want to put my leichter in your house. So you become a shamer. If the house is broken into, and it's your, you left the front door open, you may be obligated to pay. So the Torah says, "Vinikra balhabayis." Rashi says again in paragraph twenty, shamer balhabayis." The shamer is the balhabayis. I don't own the candlesticks. Okay. Rabbi? Yes. So is this here in the sense of the Baal of the one who's responsible oh, for the house? Thank you very much. Give me a Hebrew word. Um, I can't think of it. I know, you go blank. I'm sorry. I put, I, give me a Hebrew word. Responsible. Come on, come on, come on. Achrayas. 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 So now let's go back to the first thing we said 35 minutes ago. 
You ready? You go to a wedding. What happens to the woman? She was a penuya, and she became an ashes hish. Beautiful. Givaldic. She changed. What happened to the chassam? So now he is responsible to do all those ten things. Oh, totally. so let, tell me two words. <laughs> he, he became a balachrayas. He's the bal. Oh, a bal. Can you please tell me something? In Shul, every single Shabbos and every single Monday and Thursday, we have a Baal Kore. What's a Baal Kore? What, he, he owns the Sefer Torah? Does he own the Bima? So what's a Baal Kore? Responsible for laying. What's a Baal Tfila? He owns the Amid? He owns the Siddur? What's a Baal Tfila? Oh, responsible. That's a scary word. Mm-hmm. Now, we um, yeshiva guys, or we men, that's what I meant. No one told me this. No one told me this. Especially very often for people learning in Kyle. I'm, I'm learning. I'm a masmid. You know, my wife is going to she's going to she's going to go to work, and I'm not pushing my buttons yet. I'm going to stay calm. I'm just going to go to work, and she'll do the checkbook. I know there's no more checkbooks anymore. She'll do. I, 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 I'm learning. I'm learning. That's what I was told to do since the time I've been face thirteen, and I went to high school, misifta, whatever. And now I'm uh, whatever I am. I'm 23 and I'm the best guy in wherever. And uh, and my share is going to send me a check every month. And uh, what do I have to do? As I went to my reshiva once, I said, reshiva's at Sal. I said, Bochad, I said, Rebbe, I just don't think you're more insight. It says, you're not going to get married unless you know uh, how you're going to live and where you're going to live. And, you know, as I said, well, I said what do you do with Kailul? See, one of the many, many times, Baruch Hashem, I was like, to be smacked across the face by the Rashiva. <laughs> Rashiva told me, that's a chayn. Learning in Kailul ahin, learning in her. I don't know, those weren't the words he said exactly. He said, when you get married, you're learning in Kailul. Do you know where you're going to be living the night after you get married? Do you have an apartment? Do you understand how you got to make ends meet? What are, you, what are you talking about? You may not be going to work from 9 to 5 or 8 to 6. But you got to set up your house. Oh, what a novel thought, right? My, my wife's taking care of that. That's not what it says here. It says... You get married. Under that chuppah, you give her a ring. At that moment, she is no longer a penuya. Now she's an ashes She's a married woman. Married woman. Her status has changed significantly. And what about you? Are you just hanging around in your suit over there and looking cool? Oh, no, 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 no. When she took that ring, you said, and you slipped the ring on her index finger. You slip that ring on her finger. She became your wife. You became her bow. Oh, her bow. I became a master. What's Hakstak cup with master? You became a bow, a chrais. 
You're responsible. If your wife decides that she'll go to work and she'll bring home the Iker Panasa, she's a tzaddikis. That's your chiv. That's not her chiv. And again, if she decides or her father decides that I'm going to support you, give all day. But that's your chiv. That somebody's nice enough to take care of. Or she gets sick or the shver loses his money or the shver dies. Now you turn to your wife and say, oh, you're still responsible to go to work. That's not true. You were never responsible. I was always responsible. Cole's mind, you could do it. You can't do it. It's my achrayas. That's what the word Baal means. Baal achrayas. Baal takola in the case of the boar. Baal abayas in the case of the shomer. Baal, ha- Baal kairay in the case of waiting. Baal tefila in the case of davening. Baal in the case of marriage. Achrayas. Achrayas. Okay, Rabbi Say. Serious, huh? Serious. Turn the page. Now we get to this page over here. Anybody want to translate this next page? Page uh, page six, paragraph 21. How about somebody want to read it and translate it? What is this thing that's in, written in Chinese with Hebrew letters? You know what this is called, Rabbi Say? What's it called? It's a ksuba. What language is it written in? Aramaic. Anybody want to translate it here? Aramaic. B'shedim Shabbos on the second day of Shabbos. Tisha Yom Elochidish Seven the ninth day. This is a exuba that we got a hold of. Shnas Chameshes Olafim Meshava Meyas Lashishim Veshishim Meshtaim Lubish Inyan Shoyim Moinim Kan Chicago Illinois. That's the date. Said to his wife, Please be my wife. Have into into is an Aramaic word for wife. And here we have five words in the Ksuba, which I will tell you that ninety. I don't know why. I don't want to say, but a very high percentage of Chasanim have no idea what this means. I'm embarrassed to say that a percentage of Misad B'Kedushin don't know what it means. But this is a contract, Rabbi Say. This is a contract. And very often, it's the first contract that the Chosin ever became responsible for. I stress the word responsible. Let's take these five words. Vano. Ano means I. Eflach. Any other words mean Eflach? I will work. Wow. <laughs> you know who's talking now? Who's talking? The chosan. The oak here. I will cherish. Honor. The azon. I will feed. The farnes. I will support. I'm looking at the women's faces here in this room. You're all in shock. <laughs> If I had a group of men here when I, when I did this for the men during this past winter and I did it on Shuris, they were also in shock. And I'll tell you the truth. Once I learned in the Kodal here about what's going on in Ksuba, and I've, since then I've, you know, Baruch Hashem, I got many times the honor of reading the Ksuba under the chuppah. Oh. First time I was a rub and I knew I was going to get the honor of reading the Ksuba, I went to Chicago Hebrew Bookstore all over Shalom. Remember that store? I said, please do me a favor, Rabbi Gross. 
Halavashalom. Give me a ksuba with nekudos. I want to know where I got to read. I didn't know what it meant. At least I want to read it, not sound like a Chinaman. Now, I will work, I will cherish, I will feed, I will support. <laughs> and now, Rabbi Isai, we're going to get into what's really going on. Turn to page 7, paragraph 22. What does cherish mean? That's a great word. We're going to talk about that soon. You're going to hear a meister that I happened to me. It's just not shaykh about this word in the Ksuba Bokir. Cherish. We'll, see, we'll soon see. Before we do cherish, let's do, let's do the following. What does work mean? I will work. I will work for you. I will work for you. Uh, you know, I can't get a job. I can't get a job. What do you mean you can't get a job? Well, you know, I was, uh, I was working as a... I was, uh, I was director or a manager, whatever the word they use is, uh, of a nursing home. I was making uh, $300,000 a year. Nursing home shut down. I lost my job. It's a tragedy. I'm not making fun. I lost my job. Okay. Now, you got to pay rent, right? Got to pay rent. Tuitions maybe the school will give you a break on, right? But you got to pay rent. I got to buy food. Right? Okay. Now, you, meaning the person who had who lost the job, Rahman al-Zan, he wants to have a roof over his head, right? With a house. He wants to have food. What about his wife? Is he responsible to feed his wife? Yes or no? Yes. yes. I have no job. Am I still responsible to feed her? Yes. Yeah. 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 What about clothing? So responsible to get her clothing? Huh? So, I mean, am I responsible to get her clothing? Okay, responsible to get her clothing. I don't have a job. I have a job. Okay, I, I, I found a job for you. I found a job for you. Working in Jewel. It's degrading and it's demeaning. I found a job for you working in Jewel. Do you have to work in Jewel to support your wife? We go back to Shulchan Aruch. We go back to Shulchan Aruch. What say Shulchan Aruch? Paragraph 22. Top line. End of the line. A person must hire himself out for menial labor. You got to support your wife. Timi Sefer Ksuba Nilma. Look at these words. Woo! What a novel thing. Can I translate into the present-day vernacular for a moment, okay? Some people on the tape may not appreciate the vernacular. Here's the vernacular. Hey, buddy, you signed Nexuba? I didn't sign Nexuba. Did you pick up the pen? I picked up the pen. You got married? You got married. You know you're obligated? I, didn't, I don't know what Nexuba meant. It's, I'm sorry. Sorry. What do you think? It's a photo op. Nexuba's real. You know what it says in the Ksuba? You're obligated to do what? Eflach. I got to support you. Okay, good. So I had a job. I was an administrator. That's the word. I was an administrator of a nursing home. The nursing home closed down. And, and the guy who owned the nursing home was a robber. In Mamela, he, and it's not my fault that the nursing home closed down. It's true. I'm not blaming you for the nursing home closing down. But what's going to be with eating? 
Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling the case out to understand what the halacha says. This is a machlokes. This is real. What's a machlokes? Rabbeinu Tam, ho yoimer, shein tzoruch. No, no. Mini olayi, we don't have to do. Ah, it says in the Ksuba, ain't lomba da noyaflach, ain't perusha shiyasker atzmoy. It doesn't mean that you should do menial labor. So what does it mean instead? Whoa, what does that mean? You know what? You own a house? Yeah. In the time now, we're going back a thousand years. You own a house? Yeah. You got a backyard? Yeah. You have anything to eat? No. Uh, go plant. In your backyard. Tomatoes, potatoes, wheat. And go plant food. I should plant food? That's menial. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not menial. Menial may be working for somebody else. In your backyard, no one has to see you. You got to get food. The question is, what do you have to do to get food? Okay? Machlaik is Rishayinam. Machlaik is Unbelievable. Is it not Unbelievable. Let's continue here. It's, this is, uh, you're going to see here, in paragraph uh, um, 23. Paragraph 23. This is, what I'm telling you right now, is pure, unadulterated, chayshin mishpat. And all women have to know chayshin mishpat. All men have to know chayshin mishpat. Women have to know chayshin mishpat. Underlined. If somebody steals, does he have to pay back what he stole? I have no money. That's why he stole. Buddy, go to work. I can't find work. What do you mean you can't find work? I just saw a sign. Go to Jewel and be a bagger. I should be a bagger in Jewel? I can't do that. Really? I'm out $100,000. Could you stole it from me? Now, that's for Geneva. What about for your wife? And therefore, the first opinion is, no, you're not obligated to work menial labor for somebody else. You're not obligated. Okay, you still got to provide your wife with, 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 with food. You go to the chesed fund. You got to get food for your wife. You have to do menial labor to do it? That's a shayla. Verbeinu Elio says the Rajba, the Rosh, that's his opinion. Rabbeinu Tam was a chaylik. It's chaylik. And then, next to the small number 18, towards the bottom third of this paragraph, bottom quarter of this paragraph, Maybe other people, you don't have to do that. For your wife, you got to do it. And again, it's not for the safe exuba where it says, That's it. You're obligated. You're obligated. Like the time, you're not obligated. But go to your backyard and plant vegetables. Yo, you are obligated. What happens? Turn over, please. Next page. Paragraph, page 
paragraph 25, paragraph 25, says, in the, paragraph 25 is in the middle of the top part, says the Yeshayimim, the third line, the Chayiv Lahaskir that's the opinion of Rabbein Elio, and guess what? There are more paskins. That's the halacha. Go hire yourself out as a pile. You gave her that ring. You said, "I have just leave it to Basu. That's why you should be Israel. You signed onto the exuba without signing it, but you obligated yourself for the exuba when you picked up the pen from the Masada Kedushim. I'm obligated. I'm obligated. What a what an unbelievable thing. Now, for Mrs. Polsky, on paragraph twenty-four. The second line is a yud beis. Chayev lahaskir atzmoi kepoil. Nira, the miached the misayf ksuba nilman, in which ksuba says vanoef lachvoi kirim kain afshiyesh loy litein lo mezaynis betzimtzum. Even though a guy could say I'll give her rice krispies every night to eat without milk, or I'll give her some milk, or without a banana. Why do I'm going to treat her in a precious way. In a precious way. There's a machlekes. What does the word eflach mean? It's unbelievable. We found this. It was so exciting when I found this, I couldn't believe it. The word eflach is a shayla. Does it mean to work or does it mean to serve? What's the difference? What's the difference, to work or to serve somebody? Anybody want to tell me what the difference is? Work, you have more freedom. Uh, You're working for yourself. Yes, continue. Work means what? Work means you have more freedom. Yeah. Serve means what? It's like servitude. Oh, like servitude. You know what the, that machlekes is? It's unbelievable. Rabbeinu Elio and the Rabbeinu Tam are arguing in the Ksuba and it says, eflach. What does that word mean? Am I going to work to support you? Or am I going to serve to support you? You know what the difference is? Jewel. I'm going to work to support you. I'm not no media labor. I'm going to work to support you. I'll be an administrator in a nursing home. I can't be an administrator in a nursing home. I'll find a job parallel to that. I'm not working in Jewel. I'm not working in Mariano's. I'm not doing that. Not, no way, not me. Okay, let's go to the Rav and ask what you, what you should do. You want to go to Kailu and make $30 a week. Okay, very nice. We'll live on toothpaste. What are you going to do? So the Rav says, I'll open up the Shulchan Aruch. I'll open up the Simeon, Sif Gimel, and it says here, you got to work in Jewel. That's what it says, you got to work in Jewel. What an unbelievable thing. Now, we are having a, um, a uh, Yachi Kala starting Wednesday. And a week from Sunday, we're having a, uh, um, a Yomi Yun. Men and women are invited. Having a lawyer come, some expert in contract law. Somebody once told me that in contract law, 
somebody, a lawyer, made a mistake, and they put the comma in the wrong place. And it cost $30 million. $30 million. You want to see where a comma makes a difference? It's unbelievable. Right here in the Ksuba. Eflach, I will work. Ve'okir. Is okir in, my fancy English here, is okir an adverb for eflach? And therefore there's no comma. eflach ba'okir. Or is okir a self-sustaining, self-standing verb? I will work and I will cherish. Two separate things. It's not defining my work. It's a separate obligation. I once went to a chasen. I got, I got there early. I came from out of town. My flight was on time. I rented a car, whatever I did. I got the, one of our friend's chasens. Okay, I got there early enough. My friend comes over to me and says, listen, I'm sorry. You want to start the chasen on time. There's nobody here. I want to give you an A, kedushin under the chuppah. But right now, everybody here is related. Please do me a favor. Be an aide. On the, on the Tzanayim, being aided in the Ksuba, everybody has relatives. Nobody else can be aided. So there was one other person with me, and Rishul Kamenetsky was inside Kedushin. So Rishul Kamenetsky lifts up the document. And they told me afterwards, he does this to all the Stalmidim. He says, you know what it says here? Talmud says, I don't know what it says here. He says, okay. He points to the word, the Okir. The Okir is the most important word in this ksuba. You know what it means? Nope. Okir means I will cherish. That's what you have to know. You're under contract. A contractual obligation to cherish your wife. Whew, I was blown away. We have a vod here once a week on Thursday nights. We had a, we have a, this vod means I'm trying to start these vod in, in more places. Right now we have whatever it is. Uh, I think we have about 30 of these vod around the country. I like to get a 500 Vaden, one in every shul, every business office. A Vaden means I say a short word, we discuss it, then afterwards we have a Kabbalah. We have a Kabbalah, we go around the table, we accept something upon ourselves, we go around the table. This is not easy, and I don't mean that this is everything's perfection, but this, we have a Vaden. And the Vaden is, when I got back, I said, okay, everybody said, we have a, we're making a Kabbalah. Okir is going to be the name of the Kabbalah. Once a day, do something for your wife and don't tell her. Something she likes. Whatever it is. You put the toothpaste cap back in the toothpaste. Just do something for your wife. And don't tell her. Every week we check. Did you do it? Did you do it? Okay. Then, several years later, we're learning Ebenezer. So I crawled up with Shmuel Kamenetsky in the middle of first Seder. I said, Rebbe, we just learned that Okir, according to the Chalkas Mochaikik, means not I should cherish my wife, it means I shall work for her in a cherishing way to make sure she has food, even a means to go to jewel. He said to me, Ah, you want to tell me that what I said does not work with the Chalkas Mechaikik? I said, Yes. So he said to me, You're right, but this is not Chapshat. It's a Mechaikis. And he's right. Where do you put the comma? I know Eflach Okir, comma. I know Eflach, comma, Okir, comma. Do I have, is it? Standing alone, or does it mean that I have to work for her in a way that's the most cherishing? And if it means I gotta work a jewel as a beggar, because I gotta take care of her. Why? Because I'm the balachlais. I'm the balachlais. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Okay, now, 
Now, I jumped ahead, but just want you to read through the bottom of the page here. There is a Rosh Pina in page 20, in paragraph 26, which explains this word that I just told you. We won't read through it about Eflach, whether it's an adverb or it's still standing. And then in paragraph 27, and then 28, 29, and 30, the Torah says, Lo Savod. And Sheshesh Yomim Tavod. Six days you shall work is one type of utilization. And then Venim Karloch, when you sow Loisavoid Boya Voides Perech, that is serving in servitude. Serving in servitude. And the Targum Unkelis doesn't make any difference between these two words. But other Targumim do. And that's the Machlekes. Am I serving or am I working? What an unbelievable concept. Serving or working. Okay, now. I thank you. It's, I thank people all the time. My working in the shul, whether it's servitude or working, is it's between me and the shul over here. But Lemaisa, the perks that I received by doing it to understand what the Torah is. But I'm telling you right now, this took months and months and months and maybe years of understanding. What is my obligation? What is a man's obligation to his wife? Okay. Now, one more piece. And this is an incredible concept. Turn to page 9, and now we're going to take a deep dive into Chosh Mishpat. A man owes somebody money. Hasn't paid back. Simon Sadik Zion. What are the laws of paying back? You owe me money. You have a set of sterling silverware? I'm taking it. With Besson's permission. We work it out. You have a car? I'm taking it. Now, there are certain things. If you are a traveling salesman and without the car you can't make any pronosa, then they can't take the car. If you're a carpenter and your tools are worth a lot of money, I can't take your tools. But I could take your sterling silver. I could take your sterling bechers. You can make kiddush on a glass by using a glass. You don't need silver. And you owe me money. Now, You cannot force this person to go to jewel. That you can't do. You can't do that. You can't do that. If that's the case, you can't force the guy to go to Jewel to pay back his loan. You can take what he owns, but you can't force him back. And says the Sma in paragraph 32, why can't you do that? You cannot make a person into a slave only if he steals, like we saw earlier in the rush. Only if he steals, you can force him. But if he owes you money because he hasn't paid you back for a loan, or for something you he, you he bought from you and hasn't paid you back, you can't make him do menial labor to pay you back. The guy should do menial labor to pay you back. But you can't force him. Okay. You can sell his articles, but you can't force him. Now you ready, Rabbi Say? This is the way it goes. Okay, we've done this many times over the summer. We take our right hand, if we're a righty, and we stick out our thumb a little, and then we start using the tool. How could it be that it says in Shulchan Aruch that the halacha is that if somebody owes money, we're going to take his sterling silver, but we're not going to make him go to jewel. 
And the Ramah doesn't argue. We switch to the left hand now. And the Ramah doesn't argue, which means the Ramah agrees, which means you can't force the guy to go to jewel. So why in Ebenezer, we switch fingers again, why in Ebenezer do we say that the person has to go to jewel in order to support his wife? What's the difference between the money you owe your wife and the money you owe somebody who you borrowed from and didn't pay back? What's the difference? That's the Shiloh. What's the difference? I'm going to tell you something, everybody, right now, to answer this kasha. We found this kasha. The Chazanish asked this kasha. Now, the answer to this kasha is in Yiddish, it's a Tifa Lomdis. It's deep, it's deep, and you can all understand it. It's deep. Here we go. It's an unbelievable concept. Look in paragraph 34. Paragraph 34. The fourth line down above the underlines. It's clear that he's obligated to hire himself out for menial labor. Now go down. To the next on the line, right above it. When I owe somebody money, when I owe somebody money, you can't make me sell myself to pay you back. But the chiv of mezayna is to a wife. It's not a monetary obligation. You know what it is? In the second paragraph, the third line, underline, in the middle of the line, supplying your wife with food is marriage. Is marriage. It's not an incidental item. It's the intrinsic makeup of Ishus. I'm going to read one word, one line here. A little bit sensitive line. A man's body. The word shibud means an obligation. A man's body is obligated to serve his wife. And therefore, if you don't have any money, your body is obligated to serve your wife. Go to Jewel and work as a beggar. When you borrow money from somebody, you have an obligation to pay it back. Absolutely. When you buy something from somebody on credit, you have an obligation to pay them back. Absolutely. And you'll lose your sterling silverware, you'll lose your bechas, and you'll lose your valuable sorim. Take it all away. Pay back the debt. But you don't have to go to jail. But if you get married according to Rabbi Nelio, which is the way we hold the halacha, and you sign that exubus as I know eflach loikir, then comma, which means I'm obligated to support her in a way that shows the cherishing of her, which means my everything that I own, including my body, is obligated to her. Then you got to go to work. 
Then you got to go to work. It's unbelievable. Shibur haguf. Shibur haguf. Shibur haguf. I'll ask you a question. Thursday night. You need food for Shabbos. Who's obligated to go shopping? Who's obligated to go shopping? That's a great question. It's discussed by the Achroinim. The husband may not be obligated to go shopping. To physically go shopping, that may not be his obligation. But he's obligated to make sure his wife has money to buy whatever she needs for Shabbos. In a mechubedika manner. In a mechubedika manner. Who's obligated to go to app when the fridge breaks? The husband may not be obligated to go shopping, but he better make sure that he has the money that she can buy the fridge that you need in the kitchen and the pots and pans that you need. He wants to go along. He wants to do it himself. Go right ahead. Make sure you get what she wants, not what you want. Big thing. Big thing. Unbelievable Shiloh. Of course, when things are going, whoever goes to Jewel goes to Jewel. Whoever doesn't go to Jewel doesn't go to Jewel. Who's obligated to go to Jewel? That might be a Shiloh. Who's obligated to make sure there's money for Jewel? That's not a Shiloh. How far do we have to go in that obligation? That's a Machlechus. And the Ramos says, you can be the beggar in Jewel. That's the Achrayas. She changes. And she became an Ish. He changes. Because he became a Bal Achrayas. And intrinsically, his body is Meshubit to his wife. Bas Ploini, Liploini. It's an unbelievable thing. He's Meshubit to her. He's Meshubah to her. She's also Meshubah to him. That's a different time, different shmooze. It's not implaining. It's liplaining. We'll talk about it in next week's Shia Bess Hashem. Unbelievable. Unbelievable concept. The she Buddha from him, from her to him. But right now, when you go to that chasana, the guy shouldn't think that when I walk out of this wedding, I got nothing more to do except for the fact that I'm married. I got somebody to make my food. I got somebody to wash my clothes. I got somebody to take care of me. No, no, no. You may have all of that. But the first thing you have is the obligation to take care of her. And that's what I... I'm not blaming anybody. It's not a blame game. But I wish somebody would have told me this. Before I got married. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I'm not saying that anybody else knew it and didn't tell me. It was not so well known. We weren't studying evidence in those days. We were first, you know, I got married 40 years ago. I got the liquid, I'm afraid to say, it was almost 50 years ago. You know, we weren't, we weren't there yet. You know what I mean? We were just, you know, getting out of the Holocaust, you know, so to speak, the second generation. We were just starting to learn. Kaila was just springing up all over the place. You know, Ebenezer was not learned all the years that I was in Lakewood. Now Ebenezer is learned. Now Lakewood, they learned Kola Terakula. In those days, they weren't learning, they weren't learning Chesha Mishpat either. Or Moshe Feinstein, for I'm just saying it was a different thing, a different world. It's a different world. She came in as a Panuya and she walks out as an Ishish. He walked in as a non Balachrayas and he walks in with incredible Achrayas. And that's an incredible concept. That's an incredible concept. 
So, um, I guess we should say that uh, besides wanting to thank you all, we have to understand that this is a, a very serious undertaking. That document, it may be written in Aramaic, and it's very possible that no one understands what it says. But that should not be the reason not to do what you have to do. I always tell the Hassanim, you pick up this pen right now, you pick up this pen from me in front of those to weigh them, you become obligated for everything it says in the Ksuba. I tell them, you're obligated in share, you're obligated in Swiss, you're obligated in Aina. And now I say it with more meaning than I said it before. I don't mean that the purpose of this year is everybody should go home and tell their husbands, I quit, I'm not working, I'm not doing anything, you do everything in the house and goodbye. I didn't say that. I didn't talk about the woman's obligation to her husband. Okay, but Lamaisa, a husband has obligations. And if his wife is kind enough to take care of many obligations the husband has, then um, she's a tzaddikus. He's not obligated. He's not obligated. And I will end that you know and I know that some of you know for sure, some those of you younger may not know and whatever. We all know that, you know, when I grew up coming home, my mother was home. My mother didn't work. I volunteered a few hours across the street in the yeshiva. I'm not saying she didn't work. She worked plenty. She took care of the house. She worked plenty. She had plenty to do. But the concept of my father felt that obligation, and we saw that. It was his obligation. It's his obligation. And he took that obligation seriously. So we should all be in our marriages. We should be in everything we do. I thank you all for coming. Next week, hopefully, the weather will be a little better and uh, will be easier to get here. Okay, Kol Tov, Kol Tov. Each year is independent. And next, year, next week is Wednesday at 2 o'clock, same time. Kol Tov.